Hello, and welcome to another podcast for U.S. History Repeated. This is Jimmy LaSalle. Fewer inventions have transformed American society more than the automobile. Imagine what life was like in the late 1800s or early 1900s. In some parts of the United States, you didn't have electricity in homes until the 1920s or 1930s. Horses and buggies could travel about two to three miles an hour. Ten miles, not a very long distance in today's standards, would take a few hours to get there. So 10 miles was a world away before the automobile. Sure, you have trains, but you have to travel along the railroad lines. There are none of the major conveniences we take for granted today. Most Americans were farmers. Most people today live in the city. A car equals freedom. People were once isolated on the farm or in rural communities. During the next two podcasts, we are joined by both Fred Colgren and John Lacko from the Gilmore Car Museum in Michigan. Jean-Anne does a phone interview with the two of them, and we break this up over the next two podcasts. Fred Colgren is the Director of Education at the Gilmore Car Museum, and John Lacko is on staff at the museum and is also an accomplished photographer who has spent a lot of time over the last few decades traveling along the famous Route 66 taking photographs. We will be discussing how the car changed American society and how changes in American society dictated the makes and models of cars within the automobile industry. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Jean Ann, who recorded this conversation. Jeannie, take it away. I was talking to Fred a few weeks ago, and we were kind of talking about how most of the time when teachers teach about innovations or certain um, inventions, when it comes to the automobile, it's a blip in one lesson. There just simply isn't the time to get through everything that we need to cover. And so I was really looking forward to our discussion today and talking about how the automobile changed America. That's a big point. John Lacko here. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge impact. And uh, it's remarkable how far reaching and uh, the automobile is in the, the development of our country. I was listening to um, the, uh, one of the ARC Invest uh, folks earlier today and uh, she was saying that there are so many disruptive technologies coming on to the scene right now, just like they were back at the turn of the century. You know, I mean, if you think about it, the whole world was changing within that first 10, maybe 20 years of the 20th century with the development of the automobile. Uh, as I almost, once the mainstream people started to have automobiles, the telephone, <clears throat> electricity, um, change, so much changes, which pushed so many other changes in society. So the impact of the automobile is so vast, um, you know, starting at the beginning. But that was a very disruptive technology at the time. In fact, it's uh, been said that the automobile has had more both positive and negative aspects of any invention in the history of the country that it, it's just affected so many different things. Yeah, and in fact, we kind of kind of brainstormed your uh, request in our education meetings and came up with about five different kind of themes across the board that we could point to where the automobile has uh, had an effect in our lives. Uh, the first one, obviously, is mobility and freedom, the ability to move and and, you know, there was an old, uh, I think it was Chevrolet ad that said, it's not just your car, it's your freedom. Mm. And uh, that's kind of catchy, but you think about it and, and that's right. Uh, second one was the technological 
aspects of just the development of the automobile and how all of those things that went into making cars better and more efficient kind of spread out through uh, the whole, uh, the whole um, manufacturing process and into other products as well. Um, certainly, the automobile has had a huge effect on our, our society and culture, uh, really uh, something that I think gets overlooked a lot. And then how about uh, the effect of the automobile on the environment and our infrastructure? Everything from pollution to generica, all those things are there because of the automobile. Um, and of course, there's always the uh, last one would be the economic impact of uh, the, the automobile and uh, auto workers uh, earning more, the rise of unions. Uh, now everybody can afford a better house. So they move out to the suburbs and they can get there by using their cars and all that that, uh, that uh, led to. So yeah, we've got, we got a lot to talk about. Yeah, I mean, it's, I always kind of liken it to, you know, a ripple effect. You have the automobile, it's invented, and all of these changes occur because of this one particular invention. You know, you need mechanics, you need roads, you need highways, you need, um, you know, advertisements. You need now salespersons to sell the car. It's really incredible. Yeah, well, gas they, stations. Yeah, yeah, they, gas they, stations. The yeah. whole thing opened up. Yeah, they they estimate that about four and a quarter million people across the globe are involved in the automobile industry. Wow, that's unbelievable. It's amazing. But, you know, and then the one, the first point you brought up, John, um, freedom. And we talked about in depth about this, and we discuss this at the museum quite a bit, especially when we're talking 1900 through 1920. You know, a farmer, um, and most of the most of the United States was a farm community back at the turn of the century in those early years. Most people lived on farms. And we had an agrarian society where nowadays it's been flipped. Um, most people live around some city center and um, a minority of people are farmers. But the early days, you know, you think that there was really a horse and buggy society. It's like living on Mackinac Island in, in Michigan where there are only horse and buggies still today, you know. But it's you're traveling at three miles an hour, right, in a horse and buggy. I mean, entire world is is depending on the horse. The horse was king, and then along finally, you know, along comes the automobile with Henry Ford's Model T, and you know it's affordable finally, um, and it total freedom. Rather than traveling three miles an hour, you're traveling ten times faster, thirty miles an hour. So it really changed people's lives. Um, and the, the early cars that were produced were basically taking a buggy and putting an engine in it, um, putting an engine in a buggy. And it was like the dot-com era because there were so many, there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of motor car companies across the United States and the world, all putting buggy, motors in buggies, right? And like the dot-com era, you know, after a little while, it, uh, it's sort of a tritted down to just 
the main companies that we're familiar with today. But early on, the automobile was a really a toy for rich people because nobody else could afford them until Henry Ford and REOs started producing you know, automobiles that were affordable. And once they were, boy, that changed the world. But the freedom aspect of it was huge. Um, and I think it affected other movements like we were talking the other day about the women's suffrage movement, you know, the development of the automobile, women driving automobiles, you know. I mean, it affected that movement, you know, where women had more freedom. They, they finally got the right to vote, how ridiculous that sounds, but, you know, all these movements were affected by the automobile. Yes, in fact, Fred, that women used cars as part of their campaign and cited that, uh, that now their ability to, uh, to be mobile and to go where they want, when they want, um, uh, as actually a big benefit for their campaign. And, the, and you know, there's even an a important aspect for the civil rights movement early on, uh, because uh, when, with the bus, bus boycott, um, they, uh, uh, black people, started to, you know, when they boycotted the buses, they used their cars and the taxi cab, black taxi cab drivers actually started to charge black people the same price for taking them anywhere that the bus would. And that allowed the boycott to continue um, while people could still get around. So uh, yeah, it, it, the automobiles really affected a lot of social movements that we we don't realize, and as you were saying, the farmer, just think of what it did for the economics. Now the farmer could get a, a, a had a, a safe, quick, efficient, and comfortable way to get into town. So he could take his goods and take them in to the first farmer's market. Yeah. And he could then market his stuff far beyond just the neighbor or the little town that he lived near. Um, it opened up all kinds of economic avenues and, and opportunities for the, the farmers. So it huge impact. Yeah, you think about how much smaller it made the world. You know, people yeah. could meet people they would never have the opportunity to meet. They could sell their goods in places they would never have the opportunity to sell them in. And right. even today, I think, you know, I remember when I got my driver's license, there was this feeling of I can go anywhere. I can do, you know, anything now. I don't have to wait for somebody to take me or figure out a bus or a train route to get there. I can just grab my keys and go. Yeah. And that, that's part, I think, of our national personality. That's why we yeah. love the automobile. We use it because we have that need. I, I, I don't know if we're from because it's a big country or whatever, but that we have so many advantages that the automobile really it seems a natural thing for us to have that we are independent. We don't want to rely on something. I mean, you rely on trains, going to travel by trains. Well, trains have tracks that go to cities where automobiles have roads that go everywhere. So the kids, you know, in the fifties and sixties, rather than read about Disneyland or read about uh, the Everglades could get in a car with their family and go see them. They could go to the Grand Canyon and look at all that. You know, uh, so the automobile really opened up, 
opened up the world for better understanding because now rather than reading about it, you're there, you're seeing it, you know, you're talking to people who live there. So it, it a huge impact, I think, on our understanding of uh, our country and beyond that. Yeah, I think we, we, you sort of hit on this another subject that, that I was, uh, Jeannie, and I was just thinking about is that the agrarian community, you know, in the cities, they're getting electricity, right? They're starting to have paved roads in the city centers. Um, they have electric cars in the cities. They have access to steam uh, trains and so on in the city. But out in the country, you know, you didn't even have, like we're, the Gilmore Car Museum is located near a couple cities, but we're out on 90 acres in Hickory Corners. We didn't get electricity out here until 1935, you know. So, you know, we were, the, the agrarian community didn't get electricity out on the farms. So they were isolated. You know, if they had an emergency, they had to depend on their farmer families, the people near them. Now, with an, if they had a Model T, they could hop in the Model T and go to town and be there in you know, a very short period of time. So it was safer. It, it, it ended the isolation of a lot of the farmers. And then also the people in the communities, in the inner cities, the inner cities we say, but in the cities, you know, they didn't have air conditioning. They didn't have the, a lot of the conveniences. So in the summer, it would be hot. Um, and miserable in some of those cities where they could get in a the car, they could have freedom to go to the lakeshore, they could go out in the country, they could go for a drive, you know. And so it really changed, you know, the isolation that people felt. Carl Benz was kind of reluctant to take the car out and everything. So one day his wife, uh, Bertha, uh, took it to visit her mother and drove yeah. kids, how many miles, 30 some miles or so? <laughs> They went from, yeah. And uh, had, had a couple of breakdowns and she fixed a, a jet in the carburetor with a hairpin. A hat pin, right? Yeah, yeah, a hat pin and all this stuff. And that kind of, you know, exposed the car to the, the surrounding area. And everybody now says, well, God, that looks pretty good. And, you know, went, so off went Carl. Now we had customers. So uh, had it, had, yeah. <laughs> you know, had it not been for Bertha, it would have probably been years before people started discovering what he had made. Yeah, she she just made the decision that you know we're gonna we're gonna get this out this out in the community and it's gonna make a big difference you know and she was exactly right I, I really feel that she was the for a, a, a tremendous so here we have a woman you know sometimes we think of the automobile industry as something that's dominated by men but here we have a woman who's really responsible for starting the industry and um, she was. She made a big contribution. The big thing about, and we were talking a little bit about people who worked in the industry too. When Ford started uh, his assembly line in 1914, he had people coming from all over, people from Europe, people from down south coming to Detroit to get a job, right? Or they could get a good job working in the factories, building cars. You had immigrants who didn't speak English coming in. They had to learn to speak English. Henry helped them um, with, a, you know, English language classes, you know. Look at all those yeah. enclaves, you know, and, and why are they there? Why are they there all yeah. living together and getting to know one another? Because of the automobile and because of the better wages that Henry Ford was 
was paying. So that that's interesting that uh, you know the that uh, economic growth of an industry uh, really caused such a change in populations. So it, that's a that's a great uh, impact, I think, that often gets overlooked. Yeah, I don't think people yeah. realize that. John, you mentioned the the uh, the good wages. Henry Ford made this big decision uh, when he moved to the uh, mass production at the Highland Park in 1914 and 15. He decided that he was going to more than double the wages of the average, you know, the average worker during uh, in the assembly line, Detroit made about two dollars and thirty eight cents an hour. So Henry decides I. And he's got high turnover, you know, he needs people he can depend on. So he decides, I'm going to double their wages. So he more than doubles their wages with the $5 a day. They got $5 a day. And that was huge. It went on, it was on the front page of every newspaper across the world, you know, a gold rush in Detroit. Henry uh, spends $10 million to double the wages of his employees. Um, so the $5 day had a gigantic impact. We're sort of seeing that today with, uh, you know, you see ads for Amazon paying $15 an hour or, you know, all these other companies stepping up to the plate. We're gonna pay more, we're gonna pay more because they needed those workers and they needed quality workers. And that was all, almost unheard of when he did that, but it, went, it paid big dividends and that was a big step forward too for the industry um, when he developed the $5 a day, that's for sure. Yep. And look what happened as the, the, uh, as the auto industry developed more, more cars, more companies got into the business and we had all that increasing middle class of people that, uh, you know, now they could afford things and, and they could, they didn't have to live in a, in a, uh, uh, a very congested, very high density neighborhood. They could move out to the suburbs. So as they moved out to the suburbs, you know, now they can commute. Um, and it, it changed uh, our infrastructure to the point where, you know, now uh, one of my favorite terms is generica. And what's generica? Generica is the look of regions that have the same stores, the same gas stations, the same restaurants, the same motels, everything the same, no matter if you're in Temecula, California or Kalamazoo, Michigan. You go down the main retail streets and they kind of look the same. You know, so we, unfortunately, I think we've lost a little bit of that character of, uh, of uh, individual towns and now we've got everything that looks the same with drive up windows you know and self pumping uh self-serve gas uh so it, there, there's a little bit of a downside to that i think but uh, that's that's why uh, though we still get in the car to go out and uh look for explore for things that are not so much like everything else, but the unique little towns and, you know, the little shops that aren't uh, overwhelmed by Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever, we, we're always kind of out there looking for those things too, to kind of bring back that nostalgic uh, feeling of, of uh, days gone by. The diet, you know, I know you're familiar with this, John, because you've done a lot of uh, 
travel along Route 66, a lot of research on Route 66, and you've done many, a lot of uh, photographic uh, research along that road, but that's a perfect example of what the car brought to America. You know, the diner, the, uh, the service stations, the motor courts, uh, the improved roads, um, you know, all these things happen because of the, you know, the automobile and all those early examples are along Route 66. Uh, pretty cool. Yeah, and you know, the funny thing too about Route 66 is that it was the main route for people ex uh, escaping the Dust Bowl as they went yeah. to California in search of a better life. What got them there? They didn't get on a train. They didn't get on a bus. They took their cars, even though they were, you know, not, not uh, of the greatest uh, reliability, but they packed the family into those cars and whatever possessions they could, they could take and headed out west on Route 66. So uh, that, you know, it's not only uh, a uh, destination for middle-class people moving from the Midwest to uh, California, particularly after World War II when all the GIs were coming back and they'd had some experience, you know, in the service in California and they got back to Detroit and said, let's get out of here. We're going to Los Angeles. But it also provided a way for people to escape an environmental disaster and go start a new life. And they got there with their cars. Yeah, I love what yeah. you mentioned about, um, you know, packing people into the car. Both of my parents were born just after the end of World War II in 1947 and 1948. I mean, true, true baby boomers. And, you know, my mother always talked of, you know, on Sunday mornings going to church, what neighbor would come in the car, who would be standing on the running boards, holding on to the doors on the outside and people kind of packed. I mean, there's no seatbelts. No. I mean, my mother always no. talked about how she never sat on an actual backseat of the car until she was 11. She was sitting on somebody's lap. She was sitting there holding onto the floorboards, you know, her, her mother kind of holding onto her hat because she's outside the car. And that was, you know, people would not even think that that would be possible today. You wouldn't see that today. You know, no, that would get stopped pretty quickly, you know? No, no, you wouldn't see that. Now I'm a boomer as well. And I remember my father always had a station wagon and our my grandparents lived on a farm about 60 miles from Kalamazoo here, and we would go on Sundays, every other Sunday. And uh, during the summer, the big deal would be for my sister and I to sit in the back of the station wagon, sit in the back there where there's no seats, with the back tailgate open, you know, the window open, and watch and look at stuff as we're driving along. I, I mean, you know, if you did that today with your kids, the cops would stop you and accuse mm -hmm. you of, of uh, mm -hmm. child abuse or something, you know? Yeah. But, but yeah. back then, it was no big deal. And we no. survived. We survived. Nobody fell yeah. out. I mean, even looking at, you know, the list that you, you guys put together, you know, thinking about when seatbelts were installed. I mean, yeah. a cousin of mine came home from the hospital after he was born. In, in something, I mean, groceries are packed more safely than what he came home in the hospital in. It, I mean, it looked like a fruit crate, to be honest. And I think about what, you know, the care that I took in taking my two children home from the hospital. You know, my husband's checking the car seat and it's a five-point harness. I mean, completely different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were a little bit more, uh, let's say, carefree. <laughs> Yeah, interesting, John, you brought up the, 
the whole the whole concept of the Sunday drive too. You know that was that developed. I'm sure. Uh, as especially with the family car, you know, the idea of the family car coming into into existence with station wagons and the post-war baby boom, you know, all that. And I think that, yeah, and well, even with the Model T, you know, the Sunday drive, the, you got your a day off. And so what are you going to do? We're going to hop in the car, we're going to go for a drive. We, we still do that, don't we? Yeah, we still do that. Yeah. You have to go out and, you know, I mean, we, we travel across the country every year to, to California and uh, always take a different route to find things and because I'm a photographer as well so I'm always looking to go to some place like uh, Paint Mines uh, uh, County Park out in uh, eastern Colorado where the, the Indians would go to get different colored soils for their pottery or, or uh, Arches National Park or the Bisty Badlands or uh, Canaan de Shea or any of those places, just think of the kids now who can go to places like that and see things and, and expand their horizons. Phenomenal. And it's and it's on their own time. They don't have to wait, you know. Um, when parents are ready, pile in the car, everybody piles in and off they go. For inventions yeah. or things that kind of change the automobile, I mean, I'd love for you guys to talk about when the radio is introduced to the automobile. You know, I was reading something, um, I was doing research on my own for another podcast about the radio and the first radios in the car, you have like this antenna. Is it true that the antenna, I mean, covered basically the entire roof of the car? <laughs> well, yeah, it was, it was large. And of course, back then, the, uh, there was only AM radio. There wasn't FM radio and there certainly wasn't anything like Cirrus or anything like that. But, uh, and, and then too, you had the radio networks where we really don't have the strong networks that we had back then. Because again, going back to my experiences going out to my grandparents' farm and coming back on Sunday night while well, the radio would always be on. And uh, we would listen to things like uh, uh, all of these uh, uh, half hour or even 15 minute radio programs like uh, Johnny Dollar, you know, um, and cruising along in the dark with a dashboard glowing um, that, uh, you know, with amber light and, you know, the lights outside going by and listening to a uh, radio detective story was just fabulous. <laughs> it, you know, just was the perfect environment, I think, for listening to the radio. And with all that technology, they, I think at one point, I, and I think it was in a Chrysler product, they actually had, um, they tried to put in a turntable so you could play records, you know, in your yep. car while you're driving. Yep. And uh, those are really, those are sort of cool. You can still find them in some of those Chryslers. You can find the accessory. Um, it's a little difficult because of the bouncing of the car and stuff, but you could play it when it was stationary too, but that was a little sort of a strange little addition that they Chrysler put in those cars. But yeah, AM radio at first, and then just later on, of course, F FM, that, that totally changed the world when FM came in. Now, the entertainment aspects of, of listening uh, to the radio in the car, I mean, that, that was the right environment, at least a closed car, you know? Um, 
you could listen to the radio because it was quiet. And uh, as the radio systems got better and gosh, I remember, remember reverb, they used to have a speaker in the back that would have a slight delay. So it'd make everything sound like you were in this huge concert hall reverb. Um, and then when they finally came up with stereo radios, that was out, out the door and everybody wanted a stereo. We were talking about, if we jump back a few decades, um, and we were just talking about the things that changed um, the world and the industry. One of the big changes that took place um, in, the, in the 20s, the 10s and 20s, was that electric and, electric and steam cars actually were very, very popular. Um, more popular than gas cars initially, if you can believe that. Um, there were a lot of electric cars out there. Um, Mrs. Ford had an electric car, Clara Ford, and uh, very, very successful. Um, steam cars were popular, but as steam and electric were limited um, in, you know, how many miles could you get for about back then? It was 40 miles to a charge with an electric car approximately, and a steam car was limited because you had to stop, refill your water after about 30, 30 minutes and then heat the water and then you could go on. They're very powerful, really fast, great cars. The thing that changed all that was the in bringing in the Cadillac, um, Kettering and some others brought in the electric start. And that changed the whole picture because it was easier to start your car um, and didn't have to crank it. A lot of these early gas powered cars like the Model T cranked it crank started them. Once the, once the gas, uh, the electric start came in, women would drive more gas-powered cars. Um, you know, you didn't have to crank them. Um, and that really made the gas car take off because it had so much greater range, it made it much easier to use, and with the, it was continually being developed. Uh, so from 1912, 14, somewhere along in there, that really changed things. And then of course, the, the car industry exploded um, and electric cars went away, uh, steam powered cars disappeared and there you are. Okay, we're gonna take a break right there and then we will go back and continue this conversation in the next podcast. Thanks for listening to U.S. History Repeated. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Parlor. Visit our website, ushistoryrepeated.com and subscribe to our podcast. There's always more to learn. Talk to you soon.